Okay, so you were mentioning standing uh -huh. meditation. Uh, there are often times when uh, in our culture it is time to stand and that if you see people, for instance, standing around waiting for the movie to open or for the bus to arrive or anything like that, what you find is um, a lot of fidgeting, a lot of movement. Uh -huh. um, that the anxiety that people have in waiting for something is expressed in physical motion. So that um, an example would be uh, someone sitting with their legs swinging back and forth, or they've crossed their uh, ankles or crossed their legs, and then one of them is just almost like it's uh, uh, setting the beat to music. Uh -huh. But in fact, they're not even thinking about music. It's just agitation in the body. Uh -huh. And that this is one of the things then that we want to uh, put under restraint, but Perhaps the word restraint is, uh, is a heavy-duty word. Uh, another or better way to look at it is, is to uh, recognize that uh, internal agitation will often bring out an external agitation. Yep. And that one of the ways of noticing that internal agitation is by writing herd on that external. What do you mean? Um, well, you had just talked about it in the sense of a standing meditation where someone will assume a posture or a pose uh -huh. and then stay in it. Uh -huh. uh, this actually has uh, uh, military use. Like when they stand at attention. Like when they're standing at attention or standing um, on guard duty. Okay, yeah. And um, <clears throat> it does have the quality of waking up is in order to be able to stand still or to uh -huh. hold still. And um, the, the, the thought that I'm having now are the, uh, the palace guards in uh, Buckingham. Yeah, me too. It's very, <laughs> very famous. Yep. Especially the American tourist will go and do all kinds of things to get these guys to move. Try and get them to laugh as well. Right. Do anything to yeah. make a sign, to make some movement. And that uh, it takes, um, let us say, some discipline and skill to be able to restrain and hold the body. Mm-hmm. And so in that regard, we can also practice that with our meditation of being able to just sit and hold still uh, without having agitation. And the other thing would be then for standing meditation. Um, I remember having a conversation with someone uh, and the, basically is what it is, is that she wanted to see Achan Po at a particular time when he was out and uh, and about in public, sitting in the sala, 
and this is the time when the Thai people will approach him. And that uh, he will give them uh, deference, normally because they're just lay, lay people coming to uh, pay respect or to ask a, a family um, issue or question or whatnot like that, as opposed to meditation practice. And so um, I have seen that happen several times. And what I do and have all uh, and, and done for a long time is stand there, uh-huh. just stand and wait, knowing that Achan Po, out of the corner of his eye, is watching. Uh-huh. And so uh, th- this is the time to not fidget, but to just stand. Yep. And so the conversation I had with this person was is that uh, uh, she got sta- tired of standing around. She was waiting like Achan Po as if she was waiting on a boat or waiting on a, uh, a store to open or waiting for things like that in the standard table. fidgeting situation and with that i guess achan po is expecting her to finally settle down but she would eventually leave without even getting a chance to talk to him with Uh the mind blaming him and whatnot as opposed to using that as an opportunity Uh for standing meditation yeah okay so this is a Yes, so this is a thing that you can practice on doing when you're standing waiting for something. Normally, when we're waiting for something, we have thoughts, I wish they would come. I wish this would hurry up. Why don't they open the store? I see them in the back and they're fidgeting around and all they have to do is just to come unlock the door so I'll feel better. You know, these are the kinds of things that uh, people normally think about. Or also in the doctor's office. Yep. This is one of the reasons why they have so many magazines in the doctor's office is because people are in a pretty well stressful position um, uh, of going to the doctor. And so giving them a number of magazines to read to take their mind off of the moment and the, and the mind off of the fact that they're waiting for the doctor because this is also a time when people will exhibit a lot of high anxiety. Uh-huh. And that anxiety then will be um, demonstrated in these body movements that I'm talking about. The shaking of the knee or the nodding of the foot or other things like that. Other things like strumming the fingers. Uh, yeah. Okay, or stroking the face or scratching. All kinds of activities will happen standing around. Yeah. And and so what a standing meditation then is, is all about maintaining that posture and not doing the fidgeting. Uh-huh. But you just come to a state of rest. Yeah. Yeah, you need to do it in a relaxed way because um uh-huh. it's um it's 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 very easy to fall into the bad habit where you do the standing but you kind of you use a lot of tension to stand straight, and that's um, that's not the right way to go about it. Precisely so. That in fact, when we're waiting for something, that's already pointing at anxiety. 
Anticipation. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just waiting, waiting for the store to open, waiting for the doctor to call you into the office, waiting for the boat to come, waiting for the bus to come, waiting for mommy to get home. So thinking about that is what causes the anxiety. Precisely, precisely. Wanting something we don't have in that moment. Mm. And because of that, the anxiety and the stress come up and people who are waiting are not relaxed. Yeah, I've noticed I've been... Um, is not relaxed. So that's kind of like... It happens, it happens a lot. Um, I've, I've noticed it happening a lot more. Um, it's a lot more obvious nowadays because there's always these little um, bits of agitation or restlessness um, that come from, I guess, boredom. Um, boredom and restlessness are the same thing, so you can't say oh, that restlessness oh, comes from boredom. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. If you look at boredom, whenever you're bored, it's because you want something to happen. Yeah. Which is the same thing as restlessness. It's just a, a different uh, vocabulary or different way of talking, but it, we're actually pointing at the same thing. It, it usually feels like. It, oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, go on. Just satisfied with the moment. Yeah. And that usually happens when the um, when the novelty of the moment wears off. I've noticed. Um, with anything. Um, I noticed it yesterday, actually, when I went for a walk. Um, for the first, like, five or ten minutes, it was, it was great. And then, no, for the first maybe 20 or 30 minutes, it was great. And then I noticed um, the mind sort of... It, it, the great part of it sort of um, subsided and it just became normal. And that's when the mind started um, uh, feeling like, like a sort of tension in the chest, which which is what I usually associate with um, restlessness. Um, it's like a longing for something, mm-hmm. um, and, and that was really interesting uh, because um, yeah, it's. Um, it just made it so obvious that it was just um, even, you know, like anything that we're doing, it's still chasing highs, kind of. Not allowing this present moment to be absolutely good enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. I was like, um, I just told myself, all right, well, this is all right. This is great. And then it kind of just... Um, I can't remember if it went away or not, but it definitely got a lot better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, th- things can improve. Um, many times you and I have talked about it in the reference to Paticca Samupada, yeah. where uh, we begin to understand that the way that we see things, the salayatana, really is often got very little or nothing to do with the actual sensory input, which is actually the reality of the moment. Yeah. Okay. 
so let us use the example of waiting for a bus or waiting for a taxi or waiting for uh, something, uh, whatever it is. But let's use the example of waiting for the taxi, waiting for the bus. Now, in this present moment, the reality of the situation is that the, there is no bus here. Yeah. When the bus arrives, based upon our desire, that's the time to do something. Yeah. But while we're waiting on the bus, there is no bus. And yet we've got bus on the mind. Where's the bus? I'm waiting yep. on the bus. I've got to go. I want the bus. I want the bus. Well, the bus driver doesn't know anything about you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nor does he really even care. <laughs> and this is quite remarkable because what we're doing is, is that we're adding a bus to this street sign scene that does not exist. And so we keep bringing the bus back. Yeah. It's a hindrance. That bus then is a mental hindrance to the moment uh -huh. because the fact is that there's no bus there. And when the bus does arrive, then there's the time to act. But now is not the time to act. Yeah. And so we want to act and we want to act. This is that wanting then is creating the restlessness and the boredom. Another example is the kids are sitting in the back seat of the car on a journey. That journey may be an hour or two hours or five hours, but whatever it is, is that the child wants the journey to be over. They want to be able to get out of the car and go do something. And yep. they get bored sitting in the car because they're not living in the reality of the backseat of the car. It's yep. good enough. The backseat of the car is just fine. It's a comfortable place to sit. Got air conditioning. Yeah. Everything is cool. Daddy's driving the car. Everything is hunky-dory. But no, it's because we want something. We're adding something to the backseat of that car. Mm. Or we're adding something to the street. And what we're adding to the street is the bus that isn't yep. there. This is what we're talking about with the Saliatana is mm -hmm. to recognize that we create things that we want in the reality of the moment. And then when we look to see that the bus, in fact, does not exist, it is not here, then we become disappointed in our own mental world. Mm -hmm. We create the bus, then we see the bus is not there, and then we feel bad. Yeah. Okay, and that bad feeling then we, we, uh, we express as restlessness and boredom. Now, there's something just very interesting in the Pali with that idea of restlessness is, is that it always has a companion to. One of the, qu the qualities of restlessness is worry. You uh -huh. could go so far as to say, I'm worried about the bus. Yeah. I'm worried it may be too late. Or, in another regard, I'm waiting for that lawyer to send me an email. Yeah. And I'm worried that the lawyer is not sending that email. Well, there's no email there. And the reality is no email. 
and we could be very happy. In fact, the email when it arrives may have work for us to do or it may be bad news. Yep. And so we worry about that in advance and we create an environment that does not exist in the mind, the Saliatana. That um, non-existent uh, mentally constructed reality then is what we're responding to. Mm. Exactly, than, and it's um, just constructed by us. And we um, construct it. And, you know, it's, um, it's still, it's, um, it's just impermanent and empty. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't like, it doesn't bind you, if that makes sense. Well, uh, we bind ourselves with it, though. Yeah, yeah. So we because just have I'm to unbind. I'm standing waiting for the bus, and I want the bus, and the bus doesn't come, and so I will get agitated. Yeah. I'll get worried about the bus. Maybe the bus is broken down. Maybe the driver got shot. You know, all kinds of things we can, we can create in the mind yeah. because we're dissatisfied with the reality of the moment. Yeah. We want something. Um, and so the, the part about then the standing meditation, we can often use that idea of the standing meditation is not that we're waiting. That was the key about me standing with Achan Po is I was not waiting on him anymore. I was practicing standing. Uh. And so I was no longer interested in the conversation of what he was saying or how many people were there or who was saying what or how many people were waiting anymore at all. Now we're just standing. Yeah. Practicing a standing meditation. That standing meditation then gives us a, um, a good opportunity to practice restraint. Uh. What is the restraint now that we're practicing is the restraint of the natural fidgeting uh -huh. that we would be in because we're restless and worried because what we're looking for is not happening yet. Yeah. So by, by practicing the restraint or holding still, that gives us something new in the moment to deal with. Yep. And not only does it give us something new to deal with, it's actually, uh, once we start practicing it, something that is both easy to do and worthy of praise. Uh -huh. That we can praise ourselves for, hey, you can, in fact, just stand here. Yeah. You don't have to want anything. The bus will come when it comes, whether you want it or not. Uh, yeah. The bus is unconcerned, the driver is unconcerned that you're standing here waiting for it. And so we're creating our own misery by wanting the bus to come. Yeah. And so I'm using <clears throat> the bus as an example, but that happens with all kinds of things. With everything, yeah. And in all kinds of postures. You can sit waiting for the phone to ring. 
You can wait for that email. You can wait for the bus to come. You can wait for Achatpo to finish with somebody. You can wait for lunch. There's all kinds of waiting. And that waiting around is basically we're waiting for something that we want. Uh-huh. And that's an interesting position to be in, to think about it, that we actually in those moments are creating our own reality. And the reality is a kind of suffering. Uh-huh a kind of dissatisfaction because I want the bus and the bus is not coming and I get uh, more and more dissatisfied, which means that, and people will say, get more and more nervous, get more and more bored, more and more restless. And we're doing that ourselves by wanting that bus to come. But if we could just stand there and practice, hey, it doesn't matter whether the bus comes or not, I can stand here and hold my posture, and I feel really good about being able to do that. Yep. And so, with, from that perspective, now we can begin to see, well, this, this whole idea about then holding a pose or restraining ourselves has a whole lot of underlying stuff that's going on with that. Yeah. And it's not just at the service. When we talk about just standing still and holding a posture, that's a very surface thing, uh-huh. but the underlying um, agitation, worry, wanting something, um, and also the other kind of word that's used with, re, uh, with restlessness is often the word remorse. Yeah, it is. Yeah. In the sense that maybe the bus has already come and I missed it. Okay, yeah. Um, or other things like this. Uh, so the remorse comes in. It's to do with the past and the restlessness but it always, is to it do with the future. It generally has to do with the past, right. Uh, and so when the, when the mind is restless like that, waiting for the bus, the restless mind then will start going into the past, and that's when we're most likely to stumble on something that we don't like. And yeah. that's when the remorse will come in. Yeah. And so we can see this, this issue of uh, re, re, restlessness as at two levels. One is at the level of the hindrances, that which comes up in this present moment, yeah. because we're thinking about it. But then there's another kind of restlessness that we mean, which is actually a fetter. Yeah. That fetter, that restlessness as a fetter, is the source of the restlessness that comes as a hindrance. Okay. But when it is uh, restlessness as a, um, uh, as a fetter, that has to do basically with uh, the underlying feelings of fear that something's wrong. Yeah. Something's not right. And so when something is wrong and something is not right, uh, and, and when this restlessness gets really strong, it is actually called anxiety. Uh. And when it's very weak, it can be called restlessness. The question is, can you monitor it? Can you see it? Can you recognize it when it's very subtle before it gets strong enough to start running your life? Ruin- okay ruling your life yeah. um, 
are wanting to go and get something done so I'll feel better. Uh -huh. There's a lot of things that we do to try to feel better that yep. don't work. Yeah. Okay, one of them, in fact, is shopping. <laughs> yeah. Women go shopping, but men do too. It's not just a, uh, a feminine thing, but yep. we often go shopping because we're dissatisfied with the moment and we don't even know what we want to buy. Yeah. We just go shopping and go look and go window shopping, they say, or whatnot like that because we're just dissatisfied yep. and we're wanting something, but we don't know what it is that we want. And so we're thinking that, well, almost anything will do. Looking to get for me something out of this state. Right. We're out looking for something without knowing what it is, but we're looking because we're in a state of dissatisfaction that's based yeah. on this restlessness. So what do we do about it then? Yeah, I, I um, read quite a long time ago. Um, it's it's like an analogy. It's like um, everyone sort of got a hole in their body, like a physical hole, and they look for all these items to fill it so they can not have the hole. Um, but the actual goal is to just um, let there be a hole. Right. We can change the language just a bit okay. in the sense that if we want something, the kind of uh, underlying logic is, is that I need it. Yeah. And when I get it, then I will be complete. But right now I'm incomplete without it, which means that there's some sort of gaping hole inside that this bicycle is going to plug right in yep. or uh, this new cell phone or a new computer or um, a new girlfriend or, and in Christian language, they will say a God. Hmm. Yeah. That they, they kind of believe that the whole is God shaped. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, the missing part for them is God. Yeah. And so when you plug God into that hole that's God-shaped, then, then God is shaped in such a way that it completely fills the hole and plugs it up, right? And this now is the you're idea fulfilled. That, and now you're saved, or now you're free from sin, or uh -huh. whatever like that. But the joke is, is that no, it's not a God-shaped hole that whatever shape the hole is, God becomes that shape. That God fits the hole, it's not that the hole fits God. Uh -huh. Because that's exactly what's really going on, that we really don't have a clue about it. But that hole inside also has the quality of the feeling of want, the feeling yeah. of lacking something, the feeling of loss. Yeah. But we can also think of it as it is uh, this is that we're all basically empty inside. Yeah. That one that is possible for someone to to keep wanting things and getting things, and the more things he gets, the more things he wants. This yeah. is this is the nature of greed. By the way, is is that whatever we get, it'll only fill that hole 
for a short time and then the hole will change shape and size and yeah. it doesn't matter anymore. Okay, so the idea then is is that we wind up then throwing many things into that hole trying to fill it up. Yep. We throw a bicycle, we throw a motorcycle, a new house, we throw a wife, we throw a dog, we throw the new job, all of that, even a god. <laughs> we try to throw into that hole to try to fill it up. And all we have is a very, very junky hole. Yeah. All junked up. Not a nice living environment when it's so full of crap. Yeah, all full of crap. And so the idea from the perspective of the Buddha is, is let's get used to that hole inside and investigate it. Mm. That in fact it's not a hole. You don't have a hole inside. What you have is a feeling, and that feeling is nothing but a, a momentary combination of bodily chemicals. Uh -huh. That's all that it is. And if we go and make a few changes to those body chemicals, then uh, the feeling that we had will change. Yep. And so that's what we're beginning to start uh, working on. This is what the Dhamma really is all about, is to not try to fill the hole anymore, but to try to uh, understand the hole yeah. and what triggers the hole so that we can be comfortable when that feeling comes. Yeah. And one of the things that we can do, for instance, is uh, some people, there's many words we can use for it. We can call it restlessness. Others call it a free-floating anxiety. Yeah. Well, we don't like a free-floating anxiety. We want to know exactly what it was that caused the anxiety, because if I know what it was that caused the anxiety, I can go do something about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, there's not much that can be done <laughs> if you really don't know what it is. Uh -huh. One of the stories, I may have told you this before, but it's a story about an old man in a very, very deep past. He's in his hovel, and he's got this free-floating anxiety inside. Okay. And he has the idea, oh, I know what the problem is. The problem is, is that the fence needs repaired. That the fence is broken, and because of that, the wolves can get in or the sheep can go out. So he gets up out of bed in the hovel. He goes and spends a few hours repairing the fence in the night. And when he comes back into his room, feeling all tired and satisfied and everything, but a few moments later, it's that back. anxiety comes back again. Yep. That basically um, the anxiety goes away when he's repairing the fence because he's not paying attention to the anxiety now he's paying attention to repairing the fence yep. but the whole point of repairing the fence was because of the anxiety once he starts repairing the fence the anxiety is gone but he doesn't think about it like that he says why am i repairing the fence in the middle of the night now that's dumb, especially right now, I don't feel the anxiety. And so he goes back into the bed, he, he lays down again, and the anxiety comes back. But now the wisdom comes, and wait a minute, this anxiety that I'm experiencing has nothing to do with the repair of the fence. Yeah. 
Exactly. This anxiety is more of a habit. Yeah. That we got anxious when we were kids and we kind of stayed anxious because we never were able to find something that would help eliminate or alleviate that anxiety. Uh-huh. And so we continue on and grow up and we have this anxiety, but we still live under the delusion that I can do something to rid this feeling of anxiety, yeah. this feeling of tension. And the answer is yes, but that tension and anxiety is inside. So we've got to do something inside, no not outside. outside. Yeah, exactly. We can't go out. Okay. But that, but the, um, the manifestation of the anxiety always does show itself on the outside. Yeah. So the lady at the doctor's office, she's very nervous and she's shaking and her, uh, uh, her, her foot is going up and down like this. Somebody else is doing this kind of stuff. And, uh, in this case with this story, this guy actually was doing so much that he's out there mending a fence, putting stones in, doing a lot of heavy work simply because of the feeling of anxiety. Yeah. Guess how much work, how much effort is put in, needless effort, needless work, because we feel anxious. Yep. I would say more than half of everything that people do is done simply because of the ignorant dealings Mm -hmm. with anxiety. Probably even a lot more than half. I think <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> and so uh, this this practicing of the standing meditation, uh, we have many opportunities to it to do in our society basically waiting on something to happen. Yeah. Waiting for the phone to ring, waiting for the shop to open, waiting for the bus to come, waiting for the truck to come, or the the boat to come, whatever it is. And that, in fact, when you are around uh, travel-oriented things, like going to the airport, wow, an airport is just an anxiety factory. Everybody is uptight at the airport. (laughs) You see people running for no reason yeah, and in a hurry and all of that kind of stuff. And that's why they say, come early, yeah. come two hours early. Why? So that you can sit there, sit there anxious for two hours, <laughs> wanting things to hurry up. So airports and places like that is a good place to go. Uh, if you want to see uh, people in a great deal of anxiety because they're waiting for something. Yeah. They're waiting in line. They're waiting uh, to get a ticket. They're waiting in line to get food service. They're waiting in line for the uh, going to the toilet. All the while, the big one is waiting in line to get on the, the, uh, the airplane. And when they get on the airplane, they're waiting for it to land. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so everything then winds up being waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen. It's off in the future, and we very rarely spend the time 
actually enjoying the moment. Uh And so any kind of work that you have to do or anything that's off into the future, if you start thinking about that, this anxiety and waiting will, will occur, even if it's something weeks or months. I mean, it's possible for somebody to start having anxiety over renewing their passport, and they don't have to do it for another year or two. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. Anything that's off into the future can be a source of anxiety because it's something that's not yet done, we're not fulfilled yet, that I, I will not be okay until the passport is renewed or the visa is done or whatever like that. And so there's many, many things like this that we feel driven to do when we're not actually able to do it. So you just keep um, just notice it and then um, just get rid of it every time it comes, just like everything else. Well, maybe, maybe instead of wanting to get rid of it, maybe we can change it into the sense of, well, I'm okay with this. Let me play with this anxiety as a toy. Let me see what I can do with it. Maybe I can breathe into it. I can investigate it. Maybe, and when I say investigate, we're talking about, maybe we can get it to change by breathing in Maybe with the in-breath, we can get it to grow, and with the out-breath, it'll shrink. Uh-huh. Maybe when we uh, breathe in, it will move from the middle uh, chest up to the higher chest. And so we begin to play with it. We begin to notice it. But the important thing is also is to recognize that breathing is a major, major component with this. In the sense that when we do have restlessness that comes from here, the natural state that we want to fall into is shutting down. Okay. We don't want to be here. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right. I don't want to be here. I want to be on that bus. When I get on the bus, I want to be off the bus. Isn't that so funny? When the bus hasn't come yet, I want to get on the bus, but as soon as I get on the bus, I wanted to get off of the bus. Yeah. And so that's that anxiety, and it's always based around wanting things and waiting for things. And so what we can do instead is reckon, oh, that's anxiety. Wow, a new toy to play with. Uh. Let me deep, deep breathe into that. You see, we get in, the the whole idea is that we've been hating those feelings, that feeling of emptiness, that feeling of longing, or that feeling of restlessness, and thinking that it's bad. And because of that, we're trying to get rid of it, and so we act restlessly, Uh because we're trying to get rid of actually just a feeling that's nothing but a set of body chemicals. So this is the kind of feeling that um, you don't want to try and push away. You want to just let it go on its own. If you want it to push away, then it's going to grow. Why? Because I want to get rid of it. I want the bus to come so I don't have to feel anxious. 
till I get on the bus, and now I'm on. Now I'm anxious on the bus. So, if we want to get rid of the anxiety, then we're going to have even more anxiety waiting for the anxiety to leave. That's um. That's really interesting because it was around two months ago where I had the first sort of non-dual kind of experience and when that was happening I was in a situation that caused a lot of anxiety um, except while that was happening I wasn't trying to push it away able to just function have a normal conversation while experiencing a lot of this anxiety and it was it was intense but it was just like it just I just didn't care about it at all it just made no difference mm -hmm. well bodily chemistries themselves will will change kind of slowly the mind okay. is really fast but just going back to the example of the guy mending the fence, when you feel anxious, but you've got to deal with someone and you're paying attention to the conversation that you're having with someone, that takes enough of the mind to be focused on that, that we're not thinking about the tension, that we mm -hmm. may, in fact, have very few mind moments on that tension and restlessness because most of them are on the conversation. But when the conversation is over, now we'll come back to that anxiety with the thought, wow, that anxiety is so big it has been here all along. Well, no, it wasn't there when you were talking to someone. Uh, it was not. But the anxiety came back when he's uh, not mending the fence or when you're finished with the conversation. So the anxiety will come back. When it does, we can recognize it, but not in the sense of wanting it to go away or wanting it to be different, but rather um, operate as if it were a friend. Uh -huh. that, in, that in fact, the underlying um, tensions that go along with that is going to be fear, and fear has been what has kept us not alive as an individual, but has kept us alive as a um, as an entire species, or even life itself. One of the major things that keeps life functioning it's on fear. the planet Earth is fear. Yeah, fear of danger, getting out of the way, because and ultimately fear the danger will get you. But we can avoid danger. And so we can say, well, wait a minute. There may be, in fact, something that needs to be investigated to find out what this anxiety is. And generally, we come to understand it's just free-floating anxiety. There really is nothing that may, might be done. Or okay. then we might say, you know something? I did forget something. There was something in there that is telling me that I've got homework to do. And I had forgotten all about it, but I was left with a feeling. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Okay, so these feelings can be a teacher or a reminder or an alarm clock for us. And so we need to pay attention to them, these feelings, to find out is this just old stuff, a free-floating anxiety, or is this an anxiety, a message 
saying, you've got work to do. Yep. Things that need to be done. That we can't get it to the point to where there's absolutely nothing to do so long mm -hmm. as we live in society. That yep. is only when we're fully in seclusion. And even then, we may not be able to completely the mind. And so there will always be a little bit of work here and there to do. Uh -huh. And so uh, that can be a message. So paying attention to the anxiety rather than <clears throat> trying to figure out something really quick. Let's go do that so that I can feel better. No, needs an investigation. Uh. And part of that investigation can be very playful. Ah, oh, there's that tension again. Let me see if I can breathe into it. Uh. See if I can make it grow, make it shrink, turn it this way, turn it that way. See if there's any messages on the back of it. Uh. That kind of thing. Yeah. And recognize that, you know, right now there's nothing to do except just to sit and enjoy life. Uh, so back now to the point about the standing meditation, yep. the reason why we're restraining the body in the standing meditation is because of all of this free floating underlying anxiety that everyone has. Yeah. We live in a really, really tense world. <laughs> Hell yeah. And the worst part of it is, is that it was even more tense a hundred thousand years ago. It was downright dangerous. <laughs> yeah and we've so we've got it easy it, and we've got it easy now we built a society that's relatively safe but relatively means that we still have anxieties mm. we haven't gotten rid of them yet and so they need to be investigated that uh that you could say that uh that that our culture is only partially successful in making the world a safe place, but everyone still feels as if things are not safe. Yep. So this this is an old old this safety is an old old issue. Uh. That that uh, is basically built right into our DNA, and then the way that we raise our children really exercises this, so that we wind up having a lot of anxiety throughout the day. For other than just the habit of it, no real reason for it. It's um. And, oh, sorry. Go on. And and then just little thoughts about things can can bring it on. Yeah. An example would be oh Triggers. yeah in in January I've got to go get the visa. Yeah. Okay. But if I think about the January, I've got to go get the visa. That's inviting that anxiety, that tension to come back again. Yeah, exactly. And if I start thinking about that visa and all the stuff that I've got to do with it, that anxiety is going to grow and build again. So we can actually talk ourselves into being anxious. That's why they say, um, that's why in the suitors, it's said that the layperson can only attain um, anagami. Because he's not able to deal completely with the um, uh, the anxiety. Because he can't really avoid it. Because he can't avoid it. Yeah. He's always going to have the world knocking on his door. 
that is only the air hot that can get completely away from it all. Uh. Let that anxiety be uh, thoroughly investigated, thoroughly played with, without having anything. This is actually the whole issue of seclusion. Yeah. That so long as we're not secluded from the world, the anxiety, the tension, the problems of the world are going to be there. Yeah. They're not just going to be knocking on your door. They're going to be breaking the door down and coming yeah. right in. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, well, you mentioned um, about safety um, uh, like a minute ago because it was uh, just yesterday I was, I was um, meditating in the evening. And the thought occurred to me that anything that I don't want to do is in some way making me feel as though I'm not safe. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, in, in response to that, I told myself, no, I am safe. I'm always mm -hmm. safe. And then, um, yeah, that was quite interesting. It was like sort of an explosion of PT. <laughs> um, yeah. We talk ourselves into feeling really good right now hey there's no work to be done yeah hey there's no place to go yeah there's nothing calling me that, oh, what a relief that is i got no business to do and often when we see problems out in the world we think that that's a call to arms or a call to uh service yeah without recognizing that most of the problems that the world has are really not my business. Uh, An example of that is politics. Yep. Everyone's getting involved. Everybody's so upset about politics and uh, basically they can't do anything about it. Uh, There's nothing to do. To deal with which don't have the Politics is an interesting one because everyone believes they can do something about it. Um, well, that, that, that's actually the propaganda. Yeah. Uh, the propaganda no. is, is that your vote is important. There's a, there's a very little that the people can actually do about it, especially with all the manipulation and everything going on nowadays, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, one of the typical ones is is that the, the race is tight for the runoff in, in Georgia, and Mitch McConnell is putting so much money into Georgia right now. Please send us $5, okay? I don't know and about so that. It, well, uh, that's the, the typical emails. There okay, 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 right, right, yes, yes, I understand. With... Yep. with uh, uh, if you don't send me five dollars, those people are going to do something that you really don't like. Yep. <laughs> and so they talk about those people are going to do something you really don't like so that it will generate uh, anxiety in the reader of that email. Yep. With, and then the solution to all of the anxiety that we just gave you at the top of the email is to send us money. If you send yeah. us money, you'll feel better. <laughs> So that's the propaganda, yes. And the propaganda machine has been running 
for many, many years. But um, I think, did you ever see the uh, uh, that series of films called The uh, Century of the Cell? No, you sent, I think you sent them to me. Um, did you? Oh, I know you mentioned them. I don't know if I... Basically, it's the story of, of industrial psychology, or at least that's the word that I used uh, and learned. I had a good friend who was a professor of uh, industrial psychology right. at one of the schools that I taught. Did he open my mind? Psychology, using psychology and physics and the physical world to manipulate people. Yes, that's I think what I it's all about. It. I think I did watch it. Yeah. And, and so it all got started with Edward Bernays, who was an actual nephew of Sigmund Freud and took um, Freud's work in psychology and says, I can make some money off of this. Not in the sense of being it. able to people get over but to manipulate them while they are in a state of anxiety. Yep. One of the things that got him famous in that circuit was is that uh, back at the turn of the century, women smoking was a taboo. Women didn't smoke in 1915. Okay, interesting. It was big taboo. Yeah. Women do not smoke. Oh, smoke yeah, that's why they'd be all secretive to... about it. Yes, I heard about this. Yeah. Okay. So, what Edward Bernays did at the time of the um, suffragettes, the suffrage movement of women wanting to vote, this was back in 1920 era. And so they started having marches as well as uh, uh, chewing the ear off of their husband at home. They would have mass marches in, in New York and other places. What Edward Bernays did was he hired debutantes, famous people, celebrities, women, to join those marches smoking okay. as a form of liberation. So okay. now tobacco is used in, uh, it's still used for women's lip. They even have cigarettes for women. Yeah. Right? Virginia Slims and other brands. Yeah, I don't know if there's... Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is that mass marketing because there was a huge taboo against women smoking, but he wanted to sell cigarettes to women. Yep. And so he made it popular and famous. So that's just one example of the propaganda. Uh, we didn't have much of a propaganda, uh, uh, or let us say it wasn't quite as scientific yep. until about 1920. And, since the, and for the past hundred years... We have been really inundated by it. Uh -huh. Now, guess who one of his employers was? Hitler. Oh. Hitler hired Edward Bernays to do the propaganda for Germany. Oh, wow. In fact, Edward That's Bernays, I so think, effective. invented the word propaganda. Okay. <laughs> no way. You lie to people long enough. And they'll believe you. Yeah. And that we can control them 
by lying to them to get them uptight and anxious about something. And then we can get them to go and do what we tell them to do in order to get them to be free of their anxiety. Uh. And this is how uh, our society is manipulated. It's through the fear, or let us say the, um, the, yeah, the fear of retribution, the fear of non-action, or getting you to be afraid that uh, if you don't do something, something really terrible is going to happen. And we're raised on that. It's so interesting how, you know, the, the, that sort of animalistic instinct of um, motivation by fear that's... Um, that still drives us so much, you know, um, and it's, it's interesting. Kind of shows we're still animals, aren't we? <laughs> exactly. I was just going to say that. <laughs> we think that we're not because we have all this um, intellect and we're so, uh, quote-unquote, sophisticated, but um, no. Those we're just instincts all... will come in and take over in a minute or a second. Exactly. It's just, um, yeah, we're just all... Uh, we're just all the same, same as how, just the same as animals, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so we're motivated to act because of fear. But the Dharma dude, his motivation is to look at the anxiety directly. Yeah. To look at those bodily chemicals, to look at the feelings of the body, to recognize that that can be dealt with directly not indirectly, that we do not have to join the brown shirts and, and join the Hitler Gruth, uh, Hitler's youth army, just to make ourselves feel better. Yeah. We do not have to go vote for Trump or Biden or anybody just to make ourselves feel better. <laughs> we do not have to go mend that fence out in the night just to make ourselves feel better, because guess what? All of those activities really don't make us feel any better at all. Yeah. An example of that is look how much, I mean, even though the, uh, the election was on the uh, 3rd of November and it's been all decided, it's been over a month, and people still feel really bad about it all. Yep. They, haven't been, they haven't been able to get uh, feeling better simply because they voted. So it's all... Um... So there's uh, there's two aspects to it. There's um, one is to have the mindfulness to notice it when it arises, so you don't get caught up in it. Um, and then the second is to have the wisdom to, um, well, not get caught up in it once it's arised. Or the wisdom to. Um let us say, be okay with it. Okay. And also, be okay and relieved when we recognize that, is, that we're absent of that feeling of emptiness again. That, in fact, that, that anxiety is the empty feeling. That's, um, that's uh, yeah, you just reminded me of something that happened when I was on retreat as well, after the first few days. I just, I just remembered why it was so easy to get into jhana, and that's because I was focusing on the cessation of anything that came up. Mm -hmm. the, that was just the natural thing to do, just focusing on the third noble truth aspect of everything, and the mind just um, 
the mind was just um, loving it. <laughs> yes, that's exact. That's a beautiful way of saying it. By the way, is to focus on the third noble truth. Anxiety, yeah, but I'm. <laughs> I'm not suffering. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to. In fact, the anxiety and the and the body chemicals and the feelings that are associated with it are not suffering. Yeah. It's that we don't like it. Yeah, we are causing the suffering as a result and of that. Of that feeling, exactly. And so the sensations, we, we don't we like don't those like sensations, it. and so that's suffering. But if we can say, hey, wait a minute, I can play with this thing. This is yeah. a toy. I can look at that, I can play with it, I can massage it, I can make it grow and big and move around and change it with the breath and all of that. And to now, we're not suffering with it. Yeah. And so this is a way of looking at it. And so in that regard, the standing meditation is now the practice of the result of being able to see that tension on the inside and just being there with it. Uh, that in fact there is no bus yeah exactly the bus we've created in the mind and now that we've created the bus in the mind we want the bus and so we now all of that anxiety no bus no bus no bus we create the a reality fake bus is, in the mind. we tell ourselves it's real <laughs> <laughs> and we, it's, we do it with everything I've noticed um, we think that our mind like the world we build inside our minds is just a real thing and we have to like we we can only abide by the rules of that world but that's mm -hmm. just a big load of bullshit <laughs> <laughs> manufactured in our own minds exactly yeah. we created this re unreality yeah and it's just um remembering that because mm -hmm. um, it's easy to forget for me anyway um but it's getting a lot easier to remember. It's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when that anxiety comes up, we can reflect what kind of thoughts were it that caused us anxiety. And we can also then reassure ourselves, hey, I don't have to feel tense and uptight because there's nothing that's creating the tension and uptightment other than my own mind. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. The bus driver, he don't care if I'm waiting for the bus or not. He's got his own problems. <laughs> He's got his own problems, exactly. <laughs> and so this is the way we can start to look at things, is to recognize it all. Let's live in the real world mm. rather than the one that we're mentally constructing because the one that we mentally construct has often got uh, barbs and built-in jobs to and um, a lot of uh, hankering for things. Yeah, the world of the complete experience. Because any world we imagine or we generate in our minds, it can, it can never be anything close to the real experience. And when we begin to live in the real world, then it is marvelous enough right on its own. Mm, yeah really get into the reality of the situation and and to recognize that yeah I've got feelings in the body I've got feelings touch tactile sensations I've got the feelings of the proprioceptic and that's just the body and then I can open my eyes and open my ears and and then all kinds of uh, hundreds of thousands of millions of things come flooding in 
because we're open for it all rather than yep. trying to process it and figure it out and whatnot. Yeah. And so now we've got a whole basis of standing meditation because that standing meditation is literally another way of being here now. Uh. Just being open and receptive and just just waiting, but not waiting for something. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I read that there's a lot to do with um, tensions, um, mental and bodily, with the standing practice. Mm-hmm. Um, they really, um, it really gets you to focus on that stuff. Well, not focus, but um, it really gets you to work with that stuff. To notice it, to yeah. pay attention to it, and to play with it as a toy, rather than the old way of, oh, I don't like feeling this way and I've got to feel better. Let me go yeah. work on that fence or let me, um, um, I don't know what we're going to do because we can't make a bus. We can't make it come. <laughs> if only. <laughs> but we can be happy yep. before the bus comes. We don't mm. have to wait until the bus comes. We feel relieved. That's so funny. I, I mean, it's just such a joke that we get anxious and upset and waiting for the bus to arrive because we want to get on the bus. And as soon as we want to get, as soon as we do get on the bus, now we want to get back off the bus. Yeah, I want this bus to get where relief. it's going so I can get off of it. I didn't want to be on the <laughs> bus in the first place. <laughs> it's a, it's like, um, it's like what you just need to do is just focus on the relief. The sense of relief. The, oh. the sense of relief, exactly. That's the state. The, actually, that step four of Anapanasati is just relax. Yeah. I can completely relax because the bus hasn't come yet. Mm. Nothing to do. No bus. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's really awesome. So, uh, this is this is what we mean then by standing at attention means mm. to really pay attention to be here now. That that's what those uh, Buckingham Palace guards are are doing is that they're, they're there to guard, which means to watch. Uh, which means to look at what's going on, to be here now. That's the whole job of the guard. It's one thing the military is doing correctly. <laughs> Otherwise, a loser to the military <laughs> who is doing the right thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. To pay attention, to look at what's going on, to go out on patrol, to look at what the environment is, to pay attention to what's going on. That's... That's exactly the right way to look at it, except that um, here we're looking for having wholesome thoughts. Uh. And so a wholesome thought about the anxiety that we're having right now is the unwholesome thought would be, oh, I want to get rid of it. Let me breathe in so I can get rid of this stuff would be an unwholesome thought. But Uh. anxiety, oh, come welcome, friend. Let me take a look at what you're doing. Let me see what's going on. Now, that's a wholesome thought. To literally learn to become familiar and friendly with these bodily chemicals that we have. 
Okay, and, and I mean, that can be done with everything because, in a way, of anxiety. But of these body chemicals, mm, there's only yeah. a few feelings. There's not very many feelings. Look at on the one side, we have anger, which at the bottom of it is fear. We have also the sense of loss or sadness and grief. But most of it has to do around associated with fear, the fear of loss, the fear of suffering, etc., mm -hmm. like that. And then that's one whole set of chemicals that, that are going on. On the other side, we have the, uh, the feeling of the sense of joy, satisfaction, uh, relaxation, and there's not many of them. You could yep. say that you've got 10 fingers. I don't even think we can come up with 10 different feelings. <laughs> there are not many of them. Yeah. But there are so many thousands of ways to kick that stuff off. Uh. Like, um, oh. Uh, all kinds of things uh, are designed in our society to get you to feel a certain way because then you can be manipulated mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. And the predominant one is fear. Yeah, it's fear and then a solution to the fear. Mm -hmm. And their solution to your fear. Do what <laughs> they want you to do. Send them $5. Vote for their candidate, etc. like that. Yeah. And then you'll feel better. The answer is no. Let me play with my own feelings. I think I can manage them without having to do what you want me to do. In fact, if uh -huh. I hadn't listened to you in the first place, I wouldn't be feeling this way. Uh -huh. yep. Let me not open those political emails. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, there are many ways that you can be manipulated, that that's what society is all about, is manipulating people into a herd yep. so that we go with that herd behavior. And the herd is gathered together as a herd out of fear, like the sheep. The sheep herd together with a docking, with a, with the guard dog, the barking sheep dog. And so that's all we have. I mean, it's more sophisticated, but that's what a politician is and nothing but a barking sheep dog. And the sheep all herd together and go down and vote, vote or give this money or uh, support that politician or go to his rally or whatever it is so that they can feel better. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you can feel good by yourself. Oh, anxiety. Yeah, let me take a look. That's something interesting. Again, literally, it's all about friendship. Becoming oh. friends with things. <sighs> friends with anxiety. Wow, that's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I think it makes sense because it, it um, it fits into the whole 
sense of I am because the only reason the I am is there is because of that subtle kind of fear. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's because of the subtle kind of anxiety. Um, because the I am, it wants to exist. Um, and it's in danger. And so the selfishness, that's why they called it the self-preservation instinct. It's an instinctual desire, and the desire itself is a bodily chemical system that is designed to protect you and keep you alive. And it's been quite successful at doing that. But it's got side effects. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's so... um... You know, it's like, well, this is just all like a process, like a just a ongoing, just series of events that are happening on their own, and the delusion in the I am. Whereas I am. it's not I am; it's it's more like just everything is. This is it. <laughs> yeah. Interesting stuff. Hmm. Well, I think that I've given you something that you can go and and, uh, investigate. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. To look at at those feelings and to uh, recognize that, hey, this is just body chemistry, just body chemicals. That's all it is. I can handle this. I've had all kinds of chemicals in this body before. I can (laughs) handle these chemicals now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's finish now. Yep. And we'll talk to you a bit later. Go and practice. Enjoy. Stay still. Stand tall. On guard. Be attention. Okay. Thanks, Dumbarato. This has been a great talk. I really like this one. Yep. Me too. It's been good. Very interesting. See you. Bye.